Today's shir will be about the next two of the attributes, the kinyanim here listed in the b'risa, uh, the first of which is called aricha svataim, and the second one is binat halev. So let's take them one at a time. Arichat svataim. What exactly is that referring to, and how is that important? How does that contribute uniquely to ability to learn and to master Torah, to achieve the Kinyan HaTorah? So, first of all, the question is just how to translate the words. What do the words mean? Uh, simply, they seem to be describing, uh, literally, some kind of uh, organized or arranged use of your lips, uh, of talking. Um, and as we'll see, some of the Mepharshim do use interpretations in that vein. However, uh, at least uh, to start us off, uh, some of the Mepharshim actually see this uh, and understand it not literally, but take it more as a euphemism. So, for example, uh, both the Medrash Shmuel and the Tiferes Yisrael understand this to be not about literally speaking or how you speak, but rather it is a euphemism or a way of the Bryce expressing the importance of knowing the material really, really well, that it's totally fluent almost, you could say shagur b'ficha, that you really, really know it. And what is that an allusion to? So they both explain that this is actually an allusion to the importance of chazara, of review, the Tiferes Yisrael explains that Arichas Spasayim is, as I mentioned, it has to do with Shagur Bafiv. And it's not just fluent, but Aruch, as in Mesudar, organized and ordered. And how does that happen? So, as the Medr Shmuel elaborates, it must be that we review many times so that it is uh, Aruch, that it is organized in Mesudar and our own mind. And when we're reviewing, uh, we don't do it piece by piece, we don't, excuse me, we don't do it bimhirut, we don't do it uh, so fast and just by rote, but rather piece by piece, we or we review in organized fashion. And as a result, aricha safasayim is an allusion to the mastery that will come by an ordered and uh, organized review of the material. Uh, this idea that, if this is the correct interpretation, that it's an allusion to the importance of chazara, of course, reminds us and makes reference to the very famous Gemara in Masechet Chagiga, and Tet, Amud Bet, which tells us based on the Pasuk in Malachi, Perak Gimel, in which we are describing an Eved Elohim, La'asher Lo Avdu. And the impression you seem to get is that there could be a Eved Elohim who was not Avdu, or uh, as the Gemara says, Hainu Oved Elohim, Hainu Rasha, Hainu what exactly is the distinction here in the Gemara? And can you have someone who is lo oved Hashem but is still a tzaddik? So the Gemara answers, Avdu v'lo avdu tarvayu Yes, in fact, you can. There can be um, a tzaddik who's referred to as an oved Hashem and a tzaddik who's referred to as not oved Hashem. Specifically, the Gemara continues, we're referring to a question of how much chazara they do. That only a person who is um, reviews the Gemara 101 times, that's the Eved Alukim. But someone who is only reviewing their learning 100 times, that's considered low avdu. Now, obviously, on the face of it, this Gemara is very, very difficult to understand. What exactly uh, does that mean? What is the pshat? How could it be that reviewing the Gemara one more time makes a person an Eved Elohim a hundred times not, but a hundred and one yes? 
And there are certainly many interpretations to this uh, Gemara, but perhaps the most uh, powerful one is offered by the Bal HaTanya, in the Lakute Amarim of the Tanya in Perak Desvav. So the Tanya explains that this is a, the, the numbers being referred to make sense specifically in the context of the time of Chazal, where they still had to review the Gemara a lot, every pad. They did everything by heart. He says, in their days, Bimehem, the normal thing, hard for us to relate to nowadays, but the normal things, the Regilut, he says, was Lashanot Kal Perak Me'apamim. Doing it a hundred times did not make you special, did not make you a Chazara monster, did not make you an incredible uh, Masmid. A hundred times was normal. And therefore, says the Balatani, that's what Chazal are coming to tell us. Ha'pam ha'meya va'achat is yetra al ha'regilut. If you do it a hundred and one times, you're doing it one more time than you're murgal minu urav, than you're used to doing. And it's that one time that's going above and beyond the normal and the expected and what you're familiar with, that's shkula keneged kulan. Ola al gabehen, v'yeter se'it, v'yeter oz. That one time, in a certain sense, equivalent or even greater than the first hundred, because that shows that you're willing to go above and beyond. Liot nikra eved al-kim, that you're doing it out of real uh, sense of love and duty. It's not just what you're used to or what's minimally expected, but you're willing to go above and beyond. That in order to really surpass one's limitations and one to really grow, a person needs to have the type of ahavas Hashem that will require, that will enable them and inspire them to go that one step and beyond. And I think that even though the numbers are completely out of whack from what we're used to in terms of review, and again, perhaps there's no need for the review of the Zal and written Gemaras and Svarim and obviously access to information in ways that they never used to have. But I think the message is so critical and so important. And I think it's still true because obviously uh, Chazara is something that is difficult for people. Naturally, we all are more excited about new things. But if you truly have an Ahavas Hashem and an Ahavas Torah, and you realize you know, it is still self-evident why Chazara is important. I think everyone understands that. But if you don't really have the Ahava you're not necessarily motivated to do it. But if you have that Ava, you'll go above and beyond and you'll do it, whether that means 101 or some other smaller number. But perhaps that's what's being referred to, again, according to these first two Mepharshim, in this first interpretation of Arichas Svasayim, the importance of review and review in an ordered and organized way. Um, Rav Yaakov Emden uh, suggests a second interpretation here uh, of our Brisa. Rav Yaakov Emden's commentary is called the Lechem Shemaim on uh, Avos, and he says that it's actually referring to speaking. Arichas Svasayim has to do with how you speak, and that is to say, namely, when speaking, when teaching Torah, says Rav Yaakov Emden, you must be organized. Think before you speak. It's a particular, um, you know, message. Uh, in this price, according to Yaakov Emden, to those who teach Torah. And that can be someone in front of a class. And I guess perhaps we can suggest even in a Haruta setting, just one-on-one. But nevertheless, if you were going to communicate Torah to somebody else, certainly to students, so Aricha Svasayim, be organized, be misudar. And this is confirmed in a number of places, but uh, in particular, the Gemara and Tanis on Daf 
Cher Amar Aleph tells us of Reish Lakish, really an amazing statement. In Reitza Talmud Shal Limudo Kasha Alav Kebarzel Beshil Mishnato Sheino Sedura. Says if you see someone who's really having a hard time learning, the reason is likely because the learning isn't organized. And whether it's the student or the teacher, this certainly highlights the association, which I think is certainly understandable, between being organized and organizing one's thoughts and organizing information in a clear way and then the ability to understand and retain the information. You have to crack the code initially, and it's certainly hard to retain it if it's disorganized. So in our own learning, and certainly when we're teaching others, the importance of Arifas Fasayim to be organized uh, when we think. The last two interpretations I'd like to share uh, are ones that, I guess, go to the more uh, literal understanding, if you will, of Arichas Fasayim, and specifically talk about how we are, we do mean verbalizing, we do mean it has something to do with talking, and it specifically has to do with not so much how we teach, but how we can ourselves. So, for example, the Derech Chaim, the Maharal, says that when you're learning, it's important, even if you're learning on your own, to verbalize, to articulate your learning, because clear speech helps you understand the material better. It's mosif l'havana davar heitev. So just the, the need to, just the process of verbalizing, articulating your learning, even if you're not speaking to anybody, that in and of itself, that alone, is increases your clarity. And Reb Chaim in the Ruach Chaim uh, makes the same point, that the very act of verbalizing will force you to be more clear, and you'll catch your own mistakes. As the Pasuk in Mishle in Perk Tetzayin says, that if the Torah is on your lips, if you're verbalizing it, you're articulating your Torah, so then you are more likely to have greater level of understanding. Last but not least uh, is a slightly different idea, uh, quoted by a number of the Mepharshim here on Avos, the Shmuel, the Chassid Yaivitz, as well as Rechaim Velazhin all make the point that there's additional benefit to verbalizing and articulating your learning, and that is that it helps with your memory of learning. And all these Mepharshim quote uh, an incredible uh, piece of Gemara on an Irvin uh, going on from Nun Gimel Amid Bet to Nun Dalad Aleph, where the Gemara has a number of statements and stories that highlight the need to verbalize your learning so that you'll remember it. The Gemara mentions, for example, a story with Bruria, uh, who admonished a student who was whispering his learning. And she quotes the Pasuk in Shmuel, Bet, Arucha b'chol v'shmura. That only if something is arucha, if it's being verbalized, like arucha svasayim from Abraisa, then it will be shmura. Or in the language of the Gemara, im arucha b'ramache v'arim shalacha mishtameret. V'im lav, enam mishtameret. So Buri understood this Pasuk as an allusion to the fact that you have to use all of your uh, limbs, including your mouth, you need to verbalize your learning <coughs> in order for the Torah to stay mishtameret. The Mora then mentions a story with a student of Rabbi Yezer who learned quietly, and he was apparently a very diligent and excellent student, and yet after three years, he forgot his learning. And the Gemara attributes this to the fact that he never verbalized the learning. And finally, the Gemara mentions Shmuel strongly admonishing Rabbi Yehuda based on the Pasuk in Mishle in Perak Dalid, Kihem Chaim and what does that mean? That they, the Torah, bring life to those who find it. Lemotzehem. The Gemara asks, what's the pshat? Torah is not something that you find. So rather, the Gemara interprets or reinterprets the Pasuk. It doesn't mean motzehem to find. Rather, motzehem. That is, who are 
who bring it out, who are verbalizing the Torah. Motzeim b'peiv. Motzeihem b'peh, says the Gemara. Kiheim chayim lemotzeihem b'peh. If you will verbalize Torah, if you articulate Torah, if you bring it out of your mouth, you talk Torah, then you will find it. Then you will be uh, someone who is uh, able to retain Torah. Ki chayim heim lemotzeihem ulechol b'saro marpeh. If you learn Torah in a way that is verbalizing it, then you will more likely retain this. And the Rambam actually paskins this in Hilchas Talmud Torah, in Paragimel Halacha Yudbet, If you verbalize, you articulate your learning while you're learning, then Talmudo Miskayim Biyado, you'll retain your learning. If you read quietly, perhaps even whispering is not enough, you will certainly forget it quickly. So that is this fourth and final interpretation. So just to review, on this attribute uh, number three of Arichas Vasayim, we saw four interpretations. Uh, the first was that it has nothing to do with uh, verbalizing or speaking about learning, but rather it's a euphemism or an allusion to the fact that Torah should be, you should be fluent in an organized way in your learning, and that that comes from reviewing. So the first interpretation was that this is an allusion to uh, the fact that it's important to learn, and when you learn, especially if you, if you review, excuse me, and especially if you review in an organized way, you will be fluent. Uh, the second interpretation, specifically referring to a teacher, uh, whether it's to a larger group or perhaps even to just a harusa, but that when you teach, you should make sure to speak clearly and be organized so that the students will be able to understand the material. And the final two interpretations, uh, perhaps I would say closer to the pshat, and I think what the Bryce is getting at, uh, are explaining that you yourself in your own learning, if it's arichas svasayim, if you speak, if you articulate, if you verbalize your learning, it will benefit you, it will help you with your mastery, with your Kenyan Torah. Either because, as we saw, the very act of verbalizing it gives you and forces you to become more clear, gives you clarity and helps you avoid or correct mistakes. And lastly, that apparently, and I think this is confirmed uh, in even contemporary uh, educational uh, research um, and learning, that very act of verbalizing and articulating the material helps in the retention of that material. Okay, so uh, moving on now to our second uh, topic for this year, uh, the fourth of the attributes mentioned here in the Brada, and that is Binat Halev. What exactly does that mean? Bino, of course, we know means to understand. Understanding of the heart. So first of all, it's just important to note here that there are some girsa issues. Depending on uh, which Perkei Avos you open up, you will see different versions of this fourth attribute. Some have the term just binat halev, as I mentioned. Others refer to sichlos halev. Others have both. Some have kavanas halev. Um, and we'll try to give interpretations uh, and allude to if it specifically relates to the girsa or not, but at the minimum you should just be aware that there are some questions of the correct and particular text. So a few uh, explanations are offered in the commentaries as well about this uh, explanation, this uh, this concept, this idea. So first, the Maharal in Derech Chaim says that what's being referred to here, Bina Salev, refers to the importance and the need to really concentrate when we're learning. And then it'll be Yavin Belibo Hetev. 
that you can't just casually kind of, so to speak, put your feet up on the couch and learn. That's not going to cut it. If you really want to learn, if you want to have a Kenyan Torah, it needs Bina Salei to truly concentrate. Rav Yaakov Emden in the Alechem Shemaim says the same idea, using the idea of Kavana Salev, but his punchline is the same as the Maral, Shlo Yilmod Kimis Asik. It shouldn't just be something you happen to be doing in your mind or other places. It just doesn't work that way. Rather, you need to be truly in understanding and focusing and concentrating. Uh, Rav Chaim Volozhner and the Ruach Chaim, he actually connects this to his understanding, as we just saw a few moments ago, his understanding of the previous Kenyan of Arichas Svasayim. And that is, as he understood it, Arichas Svasayim was to actually verbalize your learning, and the verbalizing itself helps. But comes along the Bryce and says it's not just enough to have Arichas Svasayim, but Arichas Svasayim with a Binat Halev. That is to say, you must truly have a Bina. You must truly understand the learning. And then if you have the correct shot, the correct understanding in the learning, then by verbalizing it, it will be helpful. So concentrate, learn well, and then uh, verbalize it, review. And uh, the Pasuk in Mishle, he interprets very beautifully, uh, confirms this in Perak Tetzayin, Pasuk Chavav, where the Pasuk says it's important for both Lev Chacham Yaskil Pihu, that the lave of the Chacham is truly yaskil, he makes sure he understands. And then, Asvatav Yosif Lekach. And then the phrase we saw previously, that if the Torah is on your lips, if you're verbalizing it, you'll understand better. First, you need to truly understand it. Yaskil Pihu. And only then, afterwards, Asvatav Yosif Lekach. So that's the first interpretation that perhaps Binas Alev refers to how one has to learn with great discernment and most importantly with great concentration. The Medrash Shmuel, who actually uses the gears of Sichlus Halev, um, says that also this is combined with Arichas Svasayim, and it specifically refers to Chazara. We saw that he was one of the Mepharshim who explained the previous Midah of Arichas Svasayim as an allusion to, as a euphemism for reviewing things. And now comes along the Brisa in the next Kenyan, and says you need not only the Richas Vasayim, but the Sechlus, that is to say that when you're reviewing, it can't be by rote, it can't just be a mitzvah anashim lumada, like you know, Pavlomi, just repeat, repeat, repeat rinse, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat it doesn't work that way, rather then you'll forget, but in fact it has to be with Kavanas Halev, Sichlos, and Havanas Hadvarim. If you truly understand it, then your review will actually be uh, more successful. And I think that that's uh, pretty good and sound educational advice, that it's important sometimes to just review the material as it was originally learned or presented. But perhaps, whether it's a teacher or a person doing their own reviewing, uh, or as I say, or a teacher giving review sheets to students, but or it could be someone from their own learning, that if you reorganize the material, you ask different kinds of questions or uh, required some other additional level of comprehension as part of the process of review. So then not only is it more interesting, but also I think the level of retention will be far greater than if you just keep on repeating and repeating and repeating the same thing over in the same format. A third interpretation uh, of this attribute uh, actually is suggested uh, in a very beautiful way uh, by Rabbi Lau, Yisrael Meir Lau, in his commentary to Perkei Avos in Yechel Yisrael. And he is sensitive to the fact that if this is all the interpretations we've seen until now could have been alluded to just with the word Bina or Kavana or Sichlus and the like. How come, and we see this in other places in Chazal as well, but he's obviously focusing on our Brisa, how come Chazal, in referring to something that's ostensibly just intellectual, how come the, the word lave, heart, 
is included in that binas halev, sechlos halev. Why heart? What does that have to do with it? If something is merely intellectual, and Rav Lau explains, and I believe others may say something similar as well, that the reference here is to the fact that there is a potential for our emotions and our bias to cloud our judgment. And therefore, what the Bryce is teaching us is that we must overcome this and keep the intellect true. That the key for wisdom is for our logic, for our mind, to control our emotions. And I think this is something that's really quite insightful and helpful for us to consider. We all have emotional ties or pulls in one direction or another, we all have pre-existing biases, whether they're about the big issues of the day or even just how to read the Pasuk or how to read, how to understand a character in Tanakh or how to understand a Sugya. And it's important to have binas halev, that our bina are more objective as much as possible and our more intellectual and analytical understanding of a material of Torah and really I would say of life too, but certainly of our learning, we have to make sure that that comes first or that that's somehow constantly a check on our emotions and our biases. There's nothing wrong with having emotional investments one way or the other and having a bias to the extent that that indicates having a certain uh, inclination for one thing or another. That's totally normal and totally can be totally healthy, uh, sometimes even helpful, but only only if we're clear, we're self-aware enough to be aware of it, we make sure that the kind of riding the train, if you will, the one who's controlling it is the logic, is the mind. If the logic controls the emotions, then the emotions can play a very important contributing way. But if it's the other way around, then we're probably headed for non-success in our learning and perhaps even worse in learning or in life. So that's the third interpretation of Rabbi Lau, suggesting that binas halev uh, is not referring to review or anything like that, uh, or how we learn in terms of our the effort that we put in, but specifically the relationship between our mind and our heart, between logic and emotions. It's binas halev, that must come first, that must control things. Finally, I'd like to share and develop an idea that I believe I heard uh, many, many years ago um, in, from uh, our current Rosh Hashiva, from Rav Moshe Lichtenstein. Um, and he was speaking about uh, the idea that what does it mean to be a posik? Uh, if a great rabbi who you know minimally has to know the material, has mastered the material, that seemed to be a baseline, a ground zero, that's obvious. But what else or what is necessary to be truly uh, a great posik? And Rav Lichtenstein explained that, again, as I said, certainly a posek must always be grounded, uh, first and foremost, in the sources, true to the sources, uh, a master of the sources. But nevertheless, it is important that there be other factors as well. As he put it then, and I recall this years later because I thought the formulation was so uh, striking, the ideal posek isn't the one who necessarily comes closest to being a robot, or being a computer. We sometimes think that you know, a perfect process would be you know, a pure total recall and mastery of the material without any emotional attachment or bias this way or another. And since we, don't ha- since we have to have a human, so the humans that can come closest to that are the best. 
and uh, Rav Moshe was explaining at the time that that was actually, he thought, a terrible, terrible mistake. That we have to realize that even though first and foremost comes the sources and the mastery of the sources and fidelity to the sources, but there are other aspects of life and there are other aspects of learning uh, and of psak. And it's not just a question of how rational or how analytical you are, but there is such a thing as emotional intelligence. And so much of life is understanding the human element, what is sometimes referred to in the area of Psak as the fifth chilek of the Shulchan Aruch, seeing the human element in the situation, understanding that no two cases are exactly the same. And of course, the Posak has to be grounded in the sources, but, and that's, I guess you could call that the Torah's MS. But there has to be that fifth chilek, the Torah's chesed, uh, that goes along with it. And the truth is, you see this in all of the truly great uh, post-game, even to take uh, two examples in the last few decades, uh, in Eretz Yisrael with Shlomo Zaman Orbach, and America with Moshe Feinstein, um, and his own way, even Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, Zatzal, and again, so many other examples, that, again, the, the mastery of the sources, the, just the incredible scholarship, again, obvious and necessary as a ground zero. But on the other hand, it's not just that. There's also a certain intuition, uh, intellectual intuition, but also emotional intuition that has been refined through the thousands of hours of immersion in the Shas and the Shulchan Aruch. And that combination is truly ideal. And perhaps that's what's being referred to here in our Brisa as Binas Halev, that it requires a host of all sorts of knowledge, not just book knowledge, but other forms of knowledge as well, other forms of knowledge, judgment, intuition, awareness and sensitivity to the human dimension, only through this dynamic interplay, I would say, of Torah's MS and Torah's Chesed, can we truly achieve a Torah's Chaim, a learning that can be vibrant in our own lives, and to the extent that uh, we're in a position to give psak, to give guidance to other people, can truly be the way the Torah is meant to be led uh, and lived. And I think this is a generally true idea uh, that Rav Moshe you know, alerted me to and sensitized me to when I was much younger. And over the years, I think it's as true or more true than I did when I first heard it from him. But at the same time, perhaps we can suggest that that's even being alluded to here in Arbrisa with the curious combination of binas halev, why the term lev, why heart, what role would you think the heart has anything to do with bina? What does heart have to do with my learning? And I think perhaps this may be what's being alluded to. So just to review what we saw for about this fourth attribute about binas halev, uh, we mentioned that uh, one interpretation was that it alludes to the importance of concentrating when we're learning, to be really focused and really in the moment and in the material. Uh, learning, especially on a high level, cannot be something that you kind of just dip your toe in the water, but you really have to be immersed and concentrating. A second interpretation uh, connected back this Binas Alev to the previous uh, interpretations that some have in Arichas Svasayim, if that means to review. So Binas Alev is telling us how to review, that we have to review not just by rote, but rather review with a certain level of understanding and being organized when we review. Only then will the review actually help. And in the last two interpretations we saw 
were ones that focused on the term lave and the interplay between logic and emotion. Rabbi Lau suggested that it has to do with what runs what, what's the master, what's what's in charge of the other, and that Binas HaLev alludes to the not only the importance of the lave, but that the Bina must come first. The, the, the rational part of our lives in general, and specifically in learning, has to be in control and a way of uh, checking our biases and our emotional uh, attachments. And lastly, we suggested, based on uh, an insight of Moshe Lichtenstein, that perhaps this is an allusion to or communicating to the aspiring uh, Kona of Torah, the aspiring Baal Kinyan Torah, that in your learning, certainly once you master learning, as you want to share or teach and skin for other people, it's not enough to just have the book knowledge, but you have to have a certain intuition, not only about how the sources and for the rhythm of Torah, but also an intuition and a certain emotional intelligence for the people in the certain specific cases and situations that are involved. That to be truly a master of Torah, a Talmud Chacham, someone who has a true Kinyan Torah, the book knowledge is not enough, but it has to be binas alev, it has to be combined with a intuition which is honed through uh, an immersion in learning and an emotional intelligence which is sensitive to the uniqueness of every situation and every person involved.